0: Day takes to the air on the rural radio network and how are you for this wednesday looks like we can get a little better toward the late summer pattern here not scorching hot little bit of rain hopefully we can get things toward maturity here as we go through the next couple of weeks i cannot believe jesse harding that it is already the 23rd of august
1: can i not accept that
0: I, I think it's probably the deal that you got. Is so. that
1: a fake date?
2: There's not much you can do about that. Thanksgiving will soon be here.
0: Stop!
1: Yeah. Just stop. <laughs>
2: be time for Christmas commercials I'm done on TV. With you. And football is <laughs> encroaching,
0: and we'll talk about that in just a few seconds here. But let's, uh, with uh, the people right in front of us here, Jason, Bob in business, and Jesse Harding on ag.
1: Well, coming up at the twelve thirteen, we'll talk a little on the drought conditions that we have seen across the United States for the twelve nineteen, the Midwestern Crop Tour. They finished last night in Nebraska City. They are currently making their way to Spencer, Iowa on the western leg of the tour. I will catch up with Chip Flory. He is a pro farmer editorial director discussing what those final result numbers were for Nebraska on the tour. And then for the newsmaker, I am with Representative Dr. Roger Marshall of Kansas, who also sits on the House Ag Committee, and he is hosting Farm Bill Listing Sessions across his first district of Kansas. I was able to go to Smith Center last night and talk to him about how that's going, what are some of the things he's hearing from those in his district. And then for the 117, Susan Littlefield is with the National Farmers Union, and they are focusing on renewable fuels by adding did an additional staff member to their team so they talk about that new opportunity
0: all right we'll look forward to all of that how, how much of the tour i mentioned nebraska did the tour tour
1: They come in from Sioux City, South Dakota, they go to Grand Island, and then they go to Nebraska City. So they don't get very further west from Grand Island. And obviously the ratio from irrigated, non-irrigated is a little skewed in their data because they do more dry land versus irrigated when Nebraska is more of an irrigated state if you come a little farther west in the state.
0: We'll listen for that. Just the same. Jason Jorgensen getting ready for all kinds of activity.
2: That's right. Huskers still haven't settled on an IBAC. Three guys are in the running. We'll let you hear what head coach Mike Riley had to say about that yesterday. I uh, Don't be surprised this season if the Huskers don't go by running back by committee. Uh, it seems like each guy kind of does something that the other one doesn't do. I know that makes some folks groan. Uh, you'd like to see one guy kind of step forward and be the guy in years of old, but... Yeah. Times have
0: changed. Well, I guess the other thing about that is if one one gets a little dinged up, you got plenty to to fill the place
2: That's true. Uh, there's no uh, Amon Green or yeah. Mike Rozier on this year's team. Okay. I was coming up in sports. Uh, we'll talk some Cleveland Browns football, and you may say, why? well. <laughs> Uh, they have a surprise when it comes to their quarterback competition. We'll let you know about that. Also, I had a chance this week to talk to Nebraska volleyball coach John Cook. We'll get his thoughts on how fall camp has gone. They open up the season on Friday afternoon against Oregon.
0: Yep, and that should be a great season. Bob Brogan has the business.
3: Well, stocks are down a little bit today. And uh, in other news, the uh, new home sales are on the decline, and uh, Whole Foods shareholders have said yes to an Amazon deal. So lots of folks are shaking hands and making deals today. Uh, A lot of things involve um, grocery, the grocery business, and and selling online groceries.
0: One thing we know, we all got to eat. All coming up for you today on Midday. Paul Perkins steps in here to take a look at how the weather's going to be shaping up. It looks like we're kind of settling into that late summer pattern.
3: Yes, and actually uh, cooling off nicely, some cooler than normal temperatures right now, most of us about 70 to 75. We did have some areas this morning into the upper 40s and low 50s Ooh. over southeast Nebraska northeast Kansas, definitely in an area we don't usually see those cooler temperatures. Ag Weather with Paul is brought to you by Coolman Repair. As some high pressure slides up towards the southeast and some low pressure develops to our west, our south winds will continue to make it warmer for today and also slowly increase the humidity thunderstorms are expected to develop. Late today over the high plains, they may hold together tonight as they move to the east. But we're not expecting any severe weather with those, so you may not, you probably won't have to worry about any late night uh, thunderstorms uh, waking you up for some severe threats. An unsettled pattern though does set in for tomorrow through Sunday. A northwest flow will begin on the eastern edge of a high pressure ridge that's just off to our west. Numerous disturbances diving southeast will team up with some increased moisture to help develop some thunderstorms. Our best chance of some thunderstorms coming tomorrow night through Friday night. Then those thunderstorm chances drop off as we head through the rest of the weekend. Severe weather chances, the greatest tomorrow, a lower threat for Friday on into Sunday. That high-pressure ridge slides farther east on Monday. That'll cut off our thunderstorm chances. <clears throat> the air working in from the northeast will start to cooler temperatures, temperatures just, just below seasonal and right near seasonal as we head towards early next week. And it looks like those temperatures are forecast to remain cooler than normal for Nebraska and Kansas in the long-term period of Monday through the first five days of September. Nebraska and Kansas expected to see below normal rainfall Monday through the 5th of September. Overall, favorable pattern there if you are headed to the Nebraska State Fair. A cooler central U.S. pattern and a heavy rain threat for the Gulf Coast. The weather factors grabbing the attention of market traders. A slow-moving cold front will trigger thunderstorms from the southern plains into the southeast U.S. By week's end, an upper air disturbance will tap into some monsoon moisture over the southwest. That will track to the east from the Rockies and renew the rain chances over the northern half of the plains and also the upper Midwest. That rain will improve the conditions for filling crops through the western Midwest, the exception in areas and parts of Nebraska and Minnesota that experienced some flooding recently. Favorable light showers are expected in the southern plains the next five days. Any rain that falls across South Dakota and Minnesota in the next five days, not going to be a concern for the harvest of the drought-reduced spring wheat crop. Harvest conditions also favorable in the Canadian prairies for their also drought-reduced spring wheat crop. The remnants of Tropical Storm Harvey... Currently located in the southern Gulf of Mexico, that will continue to reorganize and move to the north and bring the threat of excessive rain to the western Gulf Coast over the weekend. That storm also expected to threaten oil and gas rigs in the northwest Gulf, so don't be surprised if you see the effects of that at the gas pump. In northeast China, conditions are favorable after recent rain. Soybeans, key soybean areas of the north part of China could use some more rain, and some of it looks to be possible.
0: So, how does the first weekend of the Nebraska State Fair shake out for us?
3: Looks pretty good. Uh, Going to be mainly just some small thunderstorm chances, uh, especially as we head towards Friday night into Saturday and Sunday. Our mm-hmm. best chance of moisture, actually, you know, Thursday night into Friday right now. So, things looking pretty good. Uh, of course, they have those outdoor concerts this weekend, yeah, they so do. they're by holding their or crossing their fingers on that one. I bet you they are.
0: Temperature-wise not not so scorching
3: either. Yeah, you won't have to worry about really uh, sweating it out walking around the concourse there or anything like that or dodging into the air conditioned buildings there. Right. And
0: keep in mind that when you need weather at any time of the day or night, it's KRVN.com. <laughs>
1: agriculture information on the role of radio network I'm jesse harding many dry areas of the midwest have received rain over the last week and mark Brushberg, usda meteorologist says that for the most part the areas suffering in drought will stay dry for at least a week or two
0: the northern high plains still has no significant rainfall in the forecast. They've had some local recovery in the Dakotas, but it looks like Montana is still going to stay dry and we're looking at dry weather continuing for the foreseeable future in the Pacific Northwest. So with the exception of some local showers possibly from, uh, you know, contributed by the monsoon moisture from the south, there really doesn't look like any widespread relief in store for some of those areas.
1: And 12% of Montana is still in the extreme drought category. Taking place across the 1st District of Kansas week has been Farm Bill listening sessions. and representative Roger Marshall has been hosting them and discusses some of the topics that are being talked about.
4: So we've been uh, at eight places now, traveled about 1,500 miles. Absolutely the number one concern, the backbone of any farm bill is crop insurance. That's what, it's on everybody's mind that crop insurance doesn't protect just the farmer. Crop insurance protects the bank and it protects your, your downtowns as well. So certainly people have driven that message home. Had a lot of discussions also about ARC and PLC, what's working and not working. And then we'll have some conversations about CRP as well. But those would be the top three probably.
1: He says that he anticipates work on the farm bill to continue at a steady pace and hopefully be done on time. And today, the United States Cattlemen's Association announced Roger Johnson, president of the National Farmers Union, as the keynote speaker for the 2017 Cattle Producers Forum to be held this September 16th in Billings, Montana. A draft agenda and registration information can be found on the meeting website at cattlemen'smeeting.com. And according to EIA data, ethanol production averaged 1.052 million barrels per day. That is down 7,000 barrels from the week before. The four-week average for ethanol production increased to 1.031 million barrels per day for an annualized rate of 15.81 billion gallons. Stocks of ethanol were 21.5 million barrels, which is a 1.4% decrease from last week. And there were zero imports recorded for this week and for nebraska chicken and egg production from usda national agriculture statistics service releasing yesterday that all layers in nebraska during the july 2017 totaled 7.81 million that is down 9.23 million from the previous year according to usda nas in nebraska egg production during july totaled 207 million eggs which is down from 230 million in 2016. July egg production per 100 layers was 2,651 eggs compared to 2,489 eggs in 2016. And low crop prices and incomes are hardening older farmers exit from the business. Through the high cost of health care means, many can't afford to retire altogether. In Mark Bernard, a Minnesota agronomist says a multi-year farm slump that's meant mounting losses and pushing older growers in his state to cover the cost of health insurance. And that is 55 to 64 age bracket that really gets clobbered, he says. And that's adding to retired farmers or finding work driving trunks or helping other growers plant or harvest their crops until Medicare kicks in. That's a look at agriculture information on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding crop scouts on the farm journal midwestern crop tour are on their third day for the royal radio network i'm jesse harding with me is chip florey he is a pro farmer editorial director and also the lead for the western leg of the tour chip you finished up nebraska last night in nebraska city making your way to spencer iowa why don't you talk about those numbers that we saw here in nebraska
5: Yeah, I'll admit,
6: Jess, I was impressed with the corn when we put all the numbers together. Number one, pulled a record number of samples out of Nebraska, pulled 315 corn samples. Scouts went out and did a great job. And when everything was said and done, had an average yield of 165.4 bushels per acre. Most important thing to consider there was that we were up 4.3% from last year. Now, there is a bit of a warning on that number coming in. Normally, on Crop Tour, we'll pull about 40% of our corn samples will be irrigated. 60% will be dry land, and that's just the opposite of the state. This year, we just blew up our irrigated sample count. So right at half of the samples that we pulled out of Nebraska on corn were irrigated. But I went ahead and worked it backwards to last year's uh, uh, irrigated versus dry land percentage, and it still came in at about 163.5 bushels per acre. A year ago, we were at 158.6, so even working it backwards to last year's uh, uh, mix of irrigated and dry land, we were still up five bushels an acre in Nebraska. you know, I guess that shouldn't be any big surprise. USDA on August 1 uh, pushed the, the yield up to 183 bushels per acre, and they fished up last year at 178. So that was up five bushels an acre from uh, USDA's final a year ago. and So it feels kind of like we're looking at the same crop. Now, the reason that there is that spread is because we do harvest or we do sample a higher percentage of uh, dryland corn than what uh, is actually harvested in the state, but that spread is getting narrower. So normally we measure in Nebraska about 15 bushels to light, but with some more irrigated numbers in there this year, you know, maybe we ought to be thinking somewhere, you know, cutting that that spread down just a bit. But is it 180 bushel corn in Nebraska? Yeah, I kind of think it is 180 bushel corn.
1: When it comes to soybeans, what was the pod count and where did that stand compared to previous years?
6: Okay, so while we're up on our corn yield, we were actually down on the pod count. Uh, came back and had 1131 pods in a 3x3 three three foot square. That was down from last year at, at uh, 1,223 pods in a 3x3 three three square. So. We're off about 7.5% from last year. USDA, just looking at their yield uh, on August 1, was down 4.9% from a year ago. So a little disappointed in the pod counts, but, yes, I, I never underestimate what the guys in Nebraska can do when it comes to growing soybeans. They've done a great job over the years, and I even with the pod count down uh, that 7.5% from last year, I think we're still looking at a pretty good bean crop in Nebraska, just not a great bean crop.
1: We've been talking with Chip Flory. He is the Pro Farmer Editorial Director and is also the Western Tour lead for the Midwestern Crop Tour. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
0: You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's our time to check sports now
2: with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, the Husker football team worked out for just over two hours at Memorial Stadium yesterday afternoon. Now, head coach Mike Riley says the team still hasn't decided on a starting eyeback
3: I actually think that the three guys that are healthy right now, Trey Bryant, Mikel Wilbon, and Devine, and throughout camp have been fairly consistent and flashed as good players throughout. So they're making it difficult. The other guy that before he's missed a few days here with the ankle, Jalen Bradley has really flashed also. So all I can say is that we'll have it by the first of the week.
2: Nebraska's season opener is set for Saturday, September 2nd at home against Arkansas State. Bobby Bowden, Florida State's longtime and very highly successful football coach from 1976 through 2009, will appear in Omaha for the Outland Trophy Awards dinner on January 10th. Bowden, who's now 87, was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2006, and he will accept the fourth annual Tom Osborne Legacy Award given for the legendary former Nebraska coach. Rugged Deshaun Kizer is Cleveland's new starting quarterback. Coach Hugh Jackson has elected to go with him, second-round draft pick from Notre Dame, over veterans Brock Osweiler and Cody Kessler. Kaiser has been the most consistent of the three during training camp and led the Browns to three touchdowns during his two exhibition appearances. Jackson said Kaiser will start Saturday's exhibition in Tampa Bay and has certainly positioned himself well to earn the starting job. Now, unless he stumbles against the Buccaneers, he would become the 27th different starting quarterback for the Browns since 1999. Well, the Husker volleyball team starts the season on Friday in Florida against 18th-ranked Oregon. Now, it's been a quick fall camp for the Huskers, but head coach John Cook is happy with how things have come together for his very young team.
6: Well, I think it's gone about it's probably exceeded my expectations for how quickly we've gelled as a staff and incorporated the new freshmen and Allie Havers into the program and the training and how we, you know, kind of our gym culture. So I've been really pleased. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean we're going to win every match, but uh, it certainly uh, I think it's exceeded my
3: expectations.
2: Friday's match with Oregon starts at 4 Central. On Saturday, the Huskers will take on Florida. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
7: Mostly clear tonight with a slight chance of thunderstorms. Lows in the upper 50s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Lexington police were called to a sporting goods store around 3:30 this morning after a vehicle crashed through the front doors of the business. Police were summoned to Hibbet Sports when an alarm went off, apparently triggered by the crash. And police chief Tracy Wolf says about that time a witness notified police that a vehicle had crashed into the front doors of the business. Store manager Mauricio Fregosa describes how a witness watched the man walking around suspiciously in front of the business prior to the crash.
8: He looked around initially, They
4: um, then they saw him walk back to uh, across the street to the Walmart parking lot where he grabbed his car, uh, came back to the uh, Hibbets area and then just proceeded to uh, smash his car through the glass front windows. Uh, after that he kind of like uh, started grabbing as much as he could from the store Uh, by that time um, a police officer did show up and apprehend the man
7: extensive damage was done to the entrance of the building the suspect was arrested An Albion man has pleaded guilty to charges stemming from a fatal accident in northeast Nebraska's Stanton County. Nineteen-year-old Blake Baldwin entered the pleas to misdemeanor vehicular homicide and being a minor in possession of alcohol. Police say Baldwin was driving a sport utility vehicle in April when he lost control, causing the SUV to roll. Baldwin and two passengers were thrown from the vehicle. Nineteen-year-old Bo Kellogg of Norfolk was pronounced dead at a hospital. The grandmother of a woman suing over a 2013 firing from Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach's office testified that her granddaughter's failure to go to church factored into her dismissal. Margie Canfield also told jurors Tuesday in Topeka that Kobach's chief deputy, Eric Rucker, whom she had known for a long time, asked her to deliver the bad news to her granddaughter, Courtney Canfield, even though she didn't work for Kobach's office. Kansas Representative Kevin Yoder says he wants to fix broken private health insurance markets rather than moving the U.S. towards expanded government health coverage. Yoder is also calling for uh, greater bipartisanship in Congress. He spoke to about 100 constituents in the Kansas City suburb of Olathe, and many people in the crowd clapped at the mention of moving towards government-run universal health coverage. We want your news, video, and photos. Tip us under the News tab at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder.
1: Taking place this week in Kansas has been Farmville listening sessions throughout the first district of Kansas. For the of Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Representative Roger Marshall, who is hosting the listening sessions. Why don't we first start out with telling us about the main themes and what you're hearing the most from producers.
4: Right. So we've been uh, at eight places now, traveled about 1,500 miles. Absolutely the number one concern, the backbone of any farm bill, is crop insurance. That's what, it's on everybody's mind that crop insurance doesn't protect just the farmer. Crop insurance protects the bank and it protects your, your downtowns as well. So certainly people have driven that message home. Had a lot of discussions also about ARC and PLC, what's working and not working. And then we'll have some conversations about CRP as well. But those would be the top three probably.
1: When it does come to CRP, what are some of the things you are expecting to see and have happen during the mock-up of the Farm Bill? And what are you hearing from those in your district?
4: Yeah, CRP is probably one of the more controversial pieces. Everybody, uh, most everybody likes it, but there's a finite amount of money that we have to spend on the farm bill. And I'm going to have to prioritize uh, crop insurance and the Title I funding ahead of CRP. So I hope there's some adequate funding to do some more. I think what I'm hearing people um, are are more in favor of are some of the buffer programs that are out there as opposed to vast quarter sections of CRP. But we'll see. I, I hope there's money to do everything, but there won't be.
1: Cotton producers are trying to get into the farm bill for Title One. so what are you hearing specifically?
4: I think that everybody's pretty well accepted that that's gonna to have to happen. And what my my challenge again is how do you bring cotton into the Title I without in, uh, increasing spending, or where are we gonna find the money to do it? Uh, one of our concepts is, uh, as people know, 80% of the farm bill is nutrition related. So how are we gonna uh, pay for the farm bill? We think that we have a work requirement for people. For those people People are able-bodied without dependence, a work requirement, and a stronger economy will mean less money being spent on, on the uh, food stamp part of the farm bill. So hopefully we can have an adequate funding to get the cotton in without too much controversy.
1: Through the listening session, you've been able to talk with those about loans USDA is able to provide to people. What have you been hearing on that front?
4: Yeah, so there's a, a lot of uh, FSA guaranteed loans. And our banks, our farm credit organizations use those as well. And I'm getting great feedback how important they are, especially to the young farmer. uh, That helps that young farmer get on their feet, so we certainly want to try to continue those.
1: Obviously, nutrition plays a big part of the Farm Bill. How have you been working on that with possibly other representatives from urban areas?
4: Yeah, so I think, you know, first of all, I think the Ag Committee is the most bipartisan committee in Congress, that it truly is an opportunity for us to work across the aisle. And we've made a big effort to sit down with my Democrat friends from across the aisle, learn how agriculture is important in their district, and at the same time work with these communities that are more interested in the food stamp part of the program so I just want to make sure that we're utilizing uh, the, the nutrition supplements as best we can and help them in the in the ways we they most need it so I want to make sure we're officially spending the dollars and that's where I grow this relationship as a doctor I have worked with WIC people are familiar with that program I think it's a great program we're doing a great job in our food banks our senior centers some of those types of things meals on wills so I'm trying to identify the positive and make sure we're prioritizing the, those monies in, in those communities
1: Trade is a huge topic of conversation right now, and obviously some funds do go towards that in the Farm Bill. But outside of the Farm Bill, what is going on that you're hearing about?
4: Right. I think number one is that the Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, certainly understands how important NAFTA is to ag-producing states like Kansas and Nebraska. So certainly he understands it, and so does the United States trade rep. So what I'm excited about is this first hearing, this first round of NAFTA is over with, It went reasonably well. The second and third rounds are going to be in September. That's big news because we need to get NAFTA behind us without harming agriculture so we can start negotiating with Japan, China, some other countries. I don't have to tell your listeners that Japan recently increased their tariff to 50% on American beef because there's no agreement with them. So we need to get NAFTA finished up uh, judiciously and correctly so we can get on to some other programs.
1: So then what are you doing specifically to be active within that trade conversation?
4: Yeah. Oh. It's, it's really interesting. I didn't realize that we would have this opportunity, but number one, a strong relationship with the Secretary of Agriculture and the Trade Rep. Number two is developing relationship with other countries. So I've been to Cuba and back. I'm on my way to China and back in three weeks. We've sat down with representatives from Mexico, Canada, Taiwan, Japan, and Israel as well. So I'm trying to grow those relationships with all those people.
1: Moving forward with the farm bill, what do you think some of the next steps will be?
4: Yeah, I think that both the chairman of the, of the Ag Committee on the farm on the, on the House side, Chairman Conway, is very interested in getting it done this fall, as is Senator Roberts on the Senate side. So we're very motivated to get a farm bill done this fall so the producers have some certainty for next year and might start be, better planning their, their business strategy.
1: And then would there be anything else you would like to share with us?
4: I just think it's been a great tour I've um, enjoyed getting to know more of my, my constituents. I would just share that uh, we're such a lucky country, we only spend 6% of our income on groceries and part of the secret to that is crop insurance. The crop insurance helps keep those prices down. On average, crop insurance costs an American $35 per person. What a great bargain to invest $35 so that we have the safest, most reliable, affordable fo- food source in the country. We're We're a blessed country.
1: We've been talking with Representative Roger Marshall who is hosting Farm Bill listening sessions across the 1st district of Kansas discussing some of the things that he has been hearing while on the tour. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
9: Let's get a review of the livestock futures trade, some comments from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe
10: yeah, another uh, kind of bearish day for the uh, at the Mercantile Exchange. Uh, cattle, hogs, and feeders uh, all down once again. Uh, just couldn't hold on to the gains on the on the cattle. I think a lot of it had to do with the uh, Superior auction, and uh, that showed that things weren't going real well. And that's when the uh, cattle started to decline. It got a little help then. Uh, from the cutouts being lower once again, so, and no uh, physical cash trade out in the country that I've heard. So all of that kind of took away uh, all yesterday's gains. Uh, In the hogs, uh, once again, cash leading the way down again, following the index coming down. We did manage a little bit of a comeback uh, near the end of the day uh, to cut some of those losses, mainly I think because of the uh, deep discounts we have, market getting a, a bit oversold once again. So uh, the day uh, kind of progressed in uh, just a downward spiral all day long for uh, all the contracts.
9: Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities, 800 328 Well, we've got cattle slaughter the first three days this week estimated at 352,000, 2,000 more than last week, 13,000 more than a year ago. Hog slaughter estimated 1,322,000, 16,000 less than last week, but 14,000 more than one year ago. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.
11: Conversations about renewable energy have been a topic at least for the last four decades. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Roger Johnson is president of the National Farmers Union, holding a news conference this morning talking about the transition to a homegrown renewable energy future for America that's underway
5: the the National Farmers Union has been involved in renewable energy issues for a long long time. It's not just biofuels, it's also been we've also been very supportive of wind and and uh solar and uh and the the new technologies as well. But this is an is an initiative that is focusing uh on biofuels and especially the the new advanced biofuels. Um Renewable energy development is important for a lot of folks. It's important for family farmers and ranchers that grow it. It's important for the rural communities that produce it, for the consumers that use it, uh, and for the environment that benefits from it. One of the reasons that we are doing this initiative today Um, is because of the economic crisis that's gripping much of rural America.
11: And Johnson stressed that we cannot forget about the economic crisis in the 1980s. Uh,
5: There was an awful lot of despair uh, and uh, and a lot of difficulties that were experienced in agriculture. Uh, Some folks are comparing the current situation to the 80s. I'm not here to make that comparison, except to say that coming out of the 80s, there were a lot of initiatives to try and grow rural economies and add value to what farmers and ranchers were producing on their operations. Um, and I can remember in North Dakota literally uh, over a 100 different initiatives being underway at the same time. Um, and as is true with most new businesses,
11: Johnson said it was important to put someone in place to focus on the renewable fuels efforts for the National Farmers Union and Ann Steckel will be the biofuels advisor.
12: And I think that this will be a real opportunity for us to talk to folks on Capitol Hill and and really mention all of those benefits, again, not just being good for rural America, but for all of America. Um, Clearly uh, addressing climate change is an incredibly important issue, Roger addressed that. also talking about the economic benefits the social benefits of using these advanced uh, biofuels and increased levels of ethanol. So we're really going to make a very concerted uh, focused effort to work with folks on capitol hill about that but not only folks on capitol hill but the administration Uh, and to talk to the administration president trump has talked a lot about uh, his commitment to ethanol and we are certainly uh, appreciative of uh, a commitment to ethanol uh, and we need that commitment to ensure that we uh, continue to grow the amount of fuels, um, the blends that we're going to be using, uh, high-level blends and ethanol. Um, certainly, we all know the benefits of the high-octane uh, when you use a higher-level blend of ethanol. and So, um, we're going to be talking about that importance as well. Um, we all know what the modern biofuels industry has done um, in terms of all of the investment that's come in, uh, the benefits of the tax base, and certainly, last but not least, all of the jobs that have really benefited these rural communities all across the country.
11: An effort with renewable fuels that the National Farmers Union said they will continue to move forward with. Conversation from this morning's news conference announcing Anne joining the staff. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
9: Grain Markets Today saw Mixed Trade, Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. With us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So our start is with corn, finishing on the lows of the day or near them. And life of contract lows, have you mentioned
8: Right there. Uh, really, we broke them on December today. They were broken on September yesterday. Uh, we're sitting there for the the first quarter, first half of the year contracts right now. December 18, uh, red D still above them by about a dime. Uh, feels like if these get taken out tomorrow, we probably slide down to the contract lows in December. So just take 10 cents off of where we are right now, maybe 13 cents, and, and that would be kind of the target low somewhere in the four. 345 range, maybe. I, you know, you're you're at a point in time where I don't think, I think you're going to see the speculator start to jump on board, and that maybe pushes this a little further. Um. I'm following the game plan from a year ago, where we we bought them out first notice day. Um, you know, given the price action here, I have a hard time believing we're going to see a lot of follow through. I, I think the market wants to know what's out there, and it's simply a storage play. You know, there's just not a lot of of room out there, and and the uh, the end user who's going to be storing this stuff for the next year uh, is simply not going to pay up for it. They're going to make the uh, the person selling pay for it, and that's what's happened today.
9: And the biodiesel news, of course, uh, yesterday propelled soybean oil just like it did today. That's probably why soybeans were held up, too?
8: Yeah, beans are a little bit of a different story. We don't have that, that old crop supply that is trying to wiggle its way into storage. There's more supply around this year than the years past, but you know the the amount of bushels and just the amount of transportation it takes to move this stuff around is really really more focused on wheat and corn. So beans, I think, are going to hold here. I think maybe once we get past first notice, say, uh, you look to, to buy wheat and corn and sell beans, I you know, I... Crop tour hasn't been fantastic for soy. Pod counts seem to be lower, really across the board. Illinois was very disappointing today. Um, I think there's probably some some inkling that uh, we're going to see yields come down there. Uh, on the corn side, I think it's still a, a speculative guess as far as if they come down. Uh, if if they do, I don't think it's going to be much. Maybe a 167 number, 166 by the time it's all said and done. But uh, from a beans perspective. Um, demand got canceled today, we saw Chinese cancellations, and the market didn't break, and that's a, that's a very good sign. I still think we have one more week of this slide, so don't, I wouldn't be premature to try to buy in any breaks yet. Uh, maybe wait until uh, the back end of next week, see what happens with uh, the big Fed meeting tomorrow out in uh, Jackson Hole. Uh, maybe the dollar changes and can add to some of this volatility, but I think there's some value out there. It's just I'd wait a week or so before you jump in.
9: Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting on the World Radio Network.